So, John, what do you hate most about Christmas? Everything. Go on. No, I'm just kidding. I love Christmas. I'm gay, of course I love Christmas. Christmas is fantastic. <laughs> I would say the worst Christmas thing for me. I, I'm not a big fan of the Christmas TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some... Christmas stuff, specials, come on. I mean, some of them are good. Like, I'm looking forward to the Gavin and Stacey special. That would mm-hmm. be good, but... Strictly come dancing, is that what you're talking about? Stuff like that, well, I mean, because we're not really a board game family where I come from. Mm -hmm. We don't really do that whole sitting around playing board games or Mm -hmm. whatever. So we do, Christmas tends to peak very early in the Lucas household. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you get get up, you get you open your presents, you have Christmas dinner. It's all lovely. It's really Mm -hmm. nice. And then once you've had Christmas dinner, we're pretty much done. Mm -hmm. Like, the the holiday spirit has passed, Mm -hmm. and it's just a long, long evening of, like, shows that you've never watched, but your parents obviously just tune into every week. Lots of ICV stuff, like... Doc Martin, do you know that show with Martin Clunes? Yeah, well, I've never watched it, but yeah. Exactly, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's stuff like that. It's all these heartbeats that are still on, but lust, yeah, and Strictly Come Dancing. Just so Wait, you're saying like, that your parents don't watch this either? No, I think they do. That's like, like, East, all the soaps as well, you know, because mm. I, 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 hate, I hate soap operas. Mm-hmm. There's always like multiple mass car pileups and helicopter crashes and all kinds of mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. soap opera murders happen. I still have time for it. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. Just, I'd, I'd much rather just be in and out, you know? So what's your ideal Christmas? Like a half the time, you know? Half the time. Just just like, oh, thanks for Christmas to their parents. Bye. See you in six months. Like, yeah. Yeah. So you just want your parents to come here, drop off a turkey, you eat it by yourself on the couch. That, while, yeah. While watching Lord of the Rings and then they leave. That is actually, that I almost choked off. That is such a perfect, <laughs> perfect Christmas. <laughs> Sounds good. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are picturing prequels and sequels and spin-offs to the Christmas classic, Christmas with the Cranks. Yay. Our final Christmas episode this year, 2019. Ending on a high, people. Yeah. So we're going to be picturing some drinking games. Uh, We're also going to be picturing, uh, hearing from our listeners with the sequels that they've written in with. Uh, But first we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments and give you a quick plot summary. I am Harry, the host with the most presents under the tree. Oh, looky you. However, none of them are for me. Aww. And joining me is always the man without a hint of Christmas in his whole apartment, <laughs> for some weird reason. It's Scroogey McJohn. I live alone, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> They're Christmas cheer, John. Oh, you sound like my mum. She's always on at me to put a Christmas tree up. Yeah, why don't you? Just a little one. Yeah. Just like a, a desk-sized Christmas tree. It's a bit late now, isn't it, really? Well, yeah, true, true. Well, put it on your Christmas list, maybe you'll get one. Okay. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> Christmas with the Cranks. This Christmas. was a uh, listener choice, wasn't it? It was, yes, was our Patreons, yes. So I put it out there to our Patreon followers, our lovely Patreon subscribers who give us a, a Christmas gift all year round with their financial support <laughs> and general fandom. Uh, and I asked them for some suggestions for mm-hmm. some films that we hadn't covered yet that might make a good Christmas episode to round off the season. And clearly they hate us because they chose <laughs> Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know who specifically chose this? Uh, Julio chose this. He was one who chose it. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Julio. And then uh, just got a few more votes. A few more votes. Kate, uh, 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 yeah. a patron who's not been on the show yet, but uh, if you're listening, Kate, you're always welcome. Just let us know. Because you know, not all of our patrons actually want to guest on the show, but uh, if you want to, the I mean, if, you, if this is the film, why would you? Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there were a few that said that this one came up multiple times, so I thought, yeah. well, there's something here. So Yeah. <sighs> mm. So what did you think? 
Well, this was uh, this was really something, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about Tim Allen that is just inherently Christmassy. I know it's because he played Santa Claus for a whole yeah. franchise. Yeah. Not that I've seen any of those films. No. The first one's good, and then it predictably goes downhill. Okay, sure. But surely the escape clause, that's that's a great title. Is that one of them? Mm. Oh, okay. I think there's a third one, maybe. Uh, probably, yeah. Okay. I'd say that's up there with Back in a Habit and Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, no, it's a good title. I would be surprised if the movie lived up to it, to be honest. Oh, yeah, like, definitely. I don't think I've even seen the third one. I've definitely seen the first two. The second mm-hmm. one was significantly worse than the first. But sure. Yeah, sure. No, yeah, he does seem to be one of those does a lot of Christmas movies kind of guys. Mm. I mean, he essentially does Christmas movies and Toy Story movies, and mm-hmm. I don't know what else he does these days. So, no. yeah. Mm. Mm, yeah, uh, well, what do you think of this then? Um, I haven't really said what I thought about it, but... No, no, you haven't. I found this movie to be bizarre. It really is. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. It goes it's, nowhere. It goes nowhere. <laughs> it goes nowhere, and it is actively terrible. But if you told me this movie was written by aliens based on only the, the most kind of cursory knowledge of how human beings talk and interact mm-hmm. and what they feel about Christmas and... Mm-hmm. You know, I'll believe you, because nobody in this film behaves anything like an actual human being. Mm. It just has the strangest tone to it. Like yeah. It's really all over the place. There's a lot of different plots happening, most of which go nowhere. <laughs> and yeah, it, it, there's some, like it's not quite funny. I mean, it's, it's definitely trying to be funny. Oh yeah, big time. Big time, but a lot of, the majority of the jokes don't land at all. No. I was confused by what the message of the film was. <laughs> Because it seemed to be conform. Yeah. It was, it was very much about you will conform to Christmas. Like, yeah. There was no sense of them actually, like, individuality must be crushed under the boost of Christmas spirit. I mean, as we said earlier in the season when we did the holiday, mm. I think this one is more accurate. It's white people problems, the Christmas movie. Oh my God. Well, talk <laughs> about, yeah, we're going to have a long conversation about unexamined privilege in this movie. Because, like, in the holiday... This one is... Yeah. Yeah. In the holiday, it's kind of in the background. They don't really talk about money. It's just, just because of the things that, the way they live and the things they're able to do, mm-hmm. you kind of... You, you just kind of notice, oh, these people have no problems. These people are very financially stable, you mm-hmm. know. This film, they actually put it on the table. They constantly re- refer to how much money they're spending mm-hmm. all the time. And it's like, yeah. oh my God. Mm. Yeah. The, the main plot point of this film, we'll get to it, is that it hints on the fact that last year, mm. these this small family, mm-hmm. there's only t- it's two, Tim Allen, Jimmy Lee Curtis, and their teenage, well, their young young daughter, Blair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last year they Teenage, spent, yeah, sure. No, she's not. I think they say she's 21, because it's like, they say like 21. Oh, okay, okay. okay. She's young anyway. Sure. Um, but yeah, they, last year they spent over $6,000 mm. on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And they don't really seem to think that's a problem. Like, first of all, they haven't noticed. Like, he has I mean, to do extensive to... accounting to even realise he spent that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, $600 of that did go to charity. Yeah, which is great. So, yeah, you know, sure. that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's good. That's more than most people give. Yeah. I mean, what's that? So that's what? That's a tenth. A tenth, 10%. Yeah. Okay, reasonable. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty good. But, yeah. but still, okay, so $5,400 on their own Christmas. Yeah. That's insane. That is mental. Yeah. And then at one point in the film, not that it's quite relevant, they do complain about the price of Christmas trees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this Christmas tree that costs $75. Yeah. He'll happily spend $6,000 on, on what? God, God mm-hmm. only knows. But he'll, hag- he'll definitely haggle over mm-hmm. less than £100 worth of Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah, it's ludicrous. It, that's what I mean. The message of this film was so strange, if there mm. indeed was a message. The bit that really stood out to me was that, well, I'm quite against flying for environmental reasons. Sure, yeah. And so the daughter who, I mean, her main plot point is that she goes off to the Peace Corps. Yeah, I've no idea, I don't know what the Peace Corps is. It just seems to be things that Americans talked about I think in it's the like 90s. a volunteer group. Like, okay, you, you sure. know, you go and you do volunteer work in countries where there's problems, I think. 
Great, great, great. Well, clearly she's missed that a bit about how planes are very bad for the environment. Oh, sure, yeah. And clearly also has loads of money, so she can just take a last-minute flight back home for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I got the impression she didn't even plan to stay long for Christmas. No, yeah, she's jetting in and out, yeah, to reduce the fiancé, yeah. Yeah. That would cost thousands. It absolutely would, to Peru, yeah, it would absolutely cost thousands, yeah. That's what I mean, like, absolutely, they exist in this insane world of privilege. Mm -hmm. It's it's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this. This is a little ledger of what we spent last year for Christmas. Look at some of this stuff. What is this? $63 for ornament repair? You gotta be kidding me. Look at the total. We spent $6,100 on Christmas last year. $6,100 on Christmas. I, I heard you the first time. With precious little to show for it. Where is this going? Caribbean. A 10-day luxury cruise on the Jubilee. The most luxurious ship in their fleet. Cayman Islands. Sparkling. We go to Jamaica. We windsurf. Whatever the heck that is. It's something. Look at the picture here. The Bahamas. We sit in the sun. 10 days. Luxury cruise. You and me. I might have to lose a little weight. Ah, heck, I'll lose it for you. Well, what's the catch? <laughs> well, I wouldn't call it a catch. <clears throat> we skip Christmas. We skip Christmas? Um, do you want to do a plot summary? I will, yeah. So, Christmas with the Cranks mm. was released in 2004, I believe. Mm-hmm. It stars... It was directed by Christopher Columbus. And yeah, I saw that. Of Harry Potter and other things fame. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know about fame. He directed the worst two Harry Potter films. Sure. I forget what else he's known by, for. By, by common belief. Yeah, the, it's the first two, right? Yeah. yeah. I think he has done other things, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Like, things that are actually respected. Didn't he discover but... America? Different guy, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got a man of many talents. Um, <clears throat> yes, so... Discovered America, became an amateur director. Yeah. Anyway, so this film stars Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis mm. as Luther and Nora Crank. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are, as we've mentioned, a extremely wealthy family. Mm. The film kind of opens on kind of a downbeat note of them sadly driving their like young daughter to the airport mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving, or the day after Thanksgiving, I think it is. Sure. Yeah. It's close to Christmas, that's what <clears> we're getting, basically. Mm-hmm. And she, as we mentioned, she's flying off for a year, to spend a year volunteering for the Peace Corps in Peru. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of classic empty nesters I guess she lived with them because mm-hmm. they're very upset that she's well Jamie Lee Curtis is very upset Tim Allen feels like he could take or leave it yeah yeah but they're, they're, they're kind of upset about the prospect of uh, the first Christmas about their beloved daughter and so Tim Allen who kind of after some initial mishaps kind of getting Christmas related things mm-hmm. like there's a scene early on with, with um where they make where it's a, raining where it's raining and they manage to spin that out into like a five minute comedic scene that is completely that... laugh free oh my god <laughs> You know, films really trying hard to make you laugh, and it's just giving you nothing. Mm. It's 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 really one of those. Mm-hmm. Although it does that scene does set up a very important callback for the end of the film with the umbrella salesman, but we'll get to that. You say very important. I mean, it's not important it's, at all. But, oh my god! Yeah, it's terrible. But, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so after a few mishaps, and after, it turns out the guy dressed as Santa is actually Santa. Yeah, that's, shocker. That's yeah, it. Shocker. So they're both feeling a little bit down about themselves and about the Christmas without their daughter. And so after a few mishaps and after Tim Allen does a little bit of accounting and kind of realises how much money he spends on Christmas every year, mm-hmm. he suggests that they actually cancel... Well, not cancel Christmas, they skip Christmas. That's the mm-hmm. phrase that is constantly used. They mm-hmm. skip Christmas this year yeah. and they're going to go on a cruise instead. Like, mm-hmm. so they're going to have a sunny holiday Christmas and they're not going to worry about the 
they're not going to be depressed by the Christmas lack of Christmas spirit, and uh, it's going to save them money because it's only going to cost half as much as it would cost them to throw their ridiculously mm-hmm. luxuriant annual Christmases. Mm-hmm. So that's their plan. Yeah, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is kind of one around to it. Jamie Lee Curtis, who I'm very fond of, I think she's very, is very funny. Um, can be very. Can funny. be. I was going to say can be very funny. It, it saddens me to say she is terrible in this movie, <laughs> like really bad. Yeah, I understand. I can I kind of understand the impulse because. Tim Allen's just doing Tim Allen. I think he's like has one speed and it's mm-hmm. fine. And when it works, it works. Mm-hmm. Great, you know. He's he's grumpy old man. That's yeah. what he plays, and he plays it very well. I think Jamie Lee Curtis should have been played by I've forgotten the actress's name, but she plays the mum in Malcolm in the Middle. Middle. Jane Krakow, not Jane Krakowski. Jane Some, Kaczmarek or something. Something like yeah, that. I yeah. know exactly because the kid from Malcolm in the Middle is in this, isn't he? The youngest. Oh one. yes, he is. Yeah. 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 Uh, is it like a neighbor or something? Yeah, he's like the neighbor's kid. Is he one of Dan Aykroyd's kids? Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Anyway. Yeah, I can I can understand. Basically, Jamie Lee Curtis is just doing way too much in this. Like mm. she's so screaming and shrill and mm-hmm. falling, and I can understand why the impulse. If you were because the the script is terrible. Yeah. Like, and I think if you are an actor and you are working in a film where the script isn't giving you any opportunities to be funny, I would imagine that there's a a lot of people would have the impulse to just well, I'm going to go as big as possible and try and like drag some kind of humor out of this mm-hmm. shit show. Yeah. So I don't blame her, but. Yeah, this is not one of her best performances. No. Or one of her best wigs. No. <laughs> God, that wig. Why did they do I, Why did they do that to her? Punishment? For... I guess punishment. I, I mean, again, I think that they also have to make her, her look like a suburban mom. And I think because she's super hot normally, like, I think her normal, like, she always suits that short hair that she always mm. has. Like, mm. yeah, I think they really over, over-egged it and made her look, like, depressingly frumpy in this mm-hmm. film. Like, those yeah. awful, like, chunky sweaters that she keeps having to wear with all the, like, Christmas accoutrements on them. And <laughs> mostly the wig. The wig was yeah. the, the wig was a real issue for me. It you know? was no good at all. No. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they he, he, Tim Allen wins her around and they decide to skip Christmas and go on a cruise. But then the word gets around to the neighbourhood and the neighbours are not having it one little bit. <laughs> now, to be fair, I think one of the problems is they really double down. Mm-hmm. Like... They don't just say, "Oh, we're going to skip Christmas," you know. So we're not going to, we're not putting up a tree, we're not going to celebrate. But you know, mm-hmm. you get, you guys do you. Yeah. Tim Allen is immediately like, "We're not doing Christmas. I'm not giving anything to charity." That's his first sticking point. Like, yeah, that was a weird one. It immediately makes him unlikable. Yeah. Like, are we yeah. supposed to root for this? Like, <laughs> he's literally the Scrooge of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, fair enough. Don't celebrate Christmas. Be. Free. I don't think anyone should be pressured to do anything. But mm-hmm. yeah, you can still give to charity. You know. Yeah. Uh, he won't buy a tree from the local businesses and stuff. So he just ultimately like alienates the entire community mm. who in fairness do seem to take this way too seriously y- yeah 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 they do yeah they're completely the other side of the coin because yeah. they're taking it just as seriously as he is trying to avoid it mm-hmm. and it's also just as weird yeah absolutely so and the, they're just as passionate <clears throat> about it too yeah. that's what i mean that's why i feel like it's almost like it was written by aliens because they're, they're all everyone in this film is just strange yeah but the, i guess the main antagonist or the main kind of He's not a villain, but yeah, yeah. The, the main antagonist is played by Dan Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. He's like the town community leader of some description. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we're introduced to him uh, with a long, long like shot from behind that just seems very focused on his giant bald spot. Which, <laughs> yeah, it was very strange. It was so weird. And as a follicularly challenged person myself, I was kind of, I was very triggered by that shot. I was mm-hmm. like, why would you agree to this, Dan Aykroyd? I'd be like, <laughs> if I was, I'd be like, never from behind, never. Yeah. yeah. Like, just give me a hat. Yeah. Something, yeah, exactly, a Christmas hat. Yeah. Something, and then he turns around, and it's Dan Aykroyd. Mm. 
Yeah, but it turns out there's... I mean, the first half of this movie... I'm not going to go through it beat by beat because a lot of it's just deathly. But uh, <laughs> the first half of this movie basically involves a bunch of different comic setups mm. about various Christmas traditions that the family refused to mm-hmm. engage with. So they're not going to throw their party, which annoys all of the neighbours. They're not buying any cards, which seems to really annoy the card mm-hmm. salesman. There's a big runner joke about Frosty, which is the giant Christmas statue that they have in their basement. That was weird. So do the whole neighbourhood have these giant Frosties that they always put on their roofs? It seems to be the case doesn't it everybody yeah. has this massive massive thing that looks extremely difficult and dangerous to put up and also a bitch to store for 11 months of the yeah. year <laughs> it's ginormous yeah I don't, yeah that's what i mean it, it, it's this weird like village of the damned conformity like everyone must have the exact same decorations up yeah so the fact and, that, and i guess that the film thought it was extremely funny when it became like free frosty free frosty yeah, and it was nothing it was not it was not it free was, at all. But yeah, the neighbours really take against the idea that he's not going to put his frosty up. So yeah, they, they pick it as house. Mm-hmm. They have carol singers um, mm-hmm. basically harassing them, um, which gave me a <laughs> yeah, little bit of a chuckle. You know what? I, 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 enjoyed, were, I enjoyed the carol singers, especially the, when they like, crept around the house and stuff. Yeah. The, the aggressive carol singing up against the window, is that yeah. was quite funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was almost like The Walking Dead, but with carol singers. No? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's, yeah, there's, there's lots of that kind of stuff happening. And then about halfway through the movie, it turns, mm-hmm. and they get a phone just as they're preparing. It's Christmas Eve. Mm. They've kind of weathered all this. Oh, they end up on the they end up on the front page of their local paper, the fact yeah. that they're not celebrating Christmas. Like, how is this a story? Oh, God, I don't know. What is this community? I don't know. So they, they truly become pariahs. Hello. Luther. Hey, babe. They're here. Vic Frommeyer, Wes Crockton, Ned Becker, and a gang of their cats. We're here for Frosty. They want Frosty. Well, they can't have him. Nora, please give us Frosty. Uh, um, honey, uh, where is Frosty? He's down behind the furnace. Why? They won't go away. Well, don't give them Frosty. You and Luther do not have to do anything. Just leave Frosty on the front porch. We'll put him up for you. They said they'll put him up for us. Absolutely not. Oh, please, Luther. No. Luther! We'll come back later. And Frosty better be here. Oh, they're gonna come back. Remember the cancer plot line in this film? Wait, who had cancer? The, the, the white... Like, if ever, a film, if ever a film could not sustain a serious emotional plot, subplot about a cancer, it's mm. this one. Um, yeah, there's an old man who lives across the streets. Mm. I don't know his name. Who keeps annoying Tim Allen because he calls him old man, even though he's clearly about 30 years older. Mm-hmm. And he's got this, like, cat that Tim Allen always stands on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's just a couple of weird references to, like... Oh, at first, like, he's got this, like, sweet little old lady wife, this man. And it's like, how are you doing tonight? Betty or whatever and mm. she wasn't called Betty but you know mm-hmm. it's like oh I have my good days and my bad days mm. and then there's a really random scene in the middle of all this ridiculous comic unfunny comic you know physical comedy mm-hmm. stuff where Carolyn Ray from Sabrina the Teenage Witch bursts into tears and goes her cancer's come back for the third time and they all hug it out and then that's the end of the scene it reminds me a lot of um, The Room uh huh yeah just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I've, I've, I think I've definitely got it I've got the breast cancer it really. Well, anyway, I fancy Johnny. Exactly, it is. Exa- <laughs> you're right. It is exactly that because it doesn't. Pay- it pays off slightly at the end in yeah. terms of Tim Allen's redemption arcs. It's not quite as random as the mm. rumor, but it's really close to that because this mm-hmm. is not the film for that plotline to be in. No, it's so 
egregiously different from everything else. Mm-hmm. And it is only a, a factor in two scenes out of the whole film. Mm. Like, it's really not like it's running through the whole film to give it a little bit of heart and soul. Yeah. It's like, oh, this character who's spoken once has cancer. Oh, no. Back to Tim Allen spray painting the lawn <laughs> to freeze all the ice over. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, that, yeah, that's one thing. So, Tim Allen, um, once the neighbours have fully turned on him, he mm-hmm. gets increasingly more irate. And one of the things he does um, is he spray he hoses down his his driveway mm-hmm. after the carol singers kind of harass them and attack the house mm-hmm. and so the next time the carol singers come they all go flying on the ice and mm-hmm. they all fall over and yeah that's fine but i i must admit i did laugh way too much did you do this as well <laughs> i laughed way too much the frozen, the, cat. The frozen cat yeah, yeah. It was just, it, it just, sometimes something so silly that it works. It just, mm. I wasn't expecting it. It looked ludicrous. Mm-hmm. It was like a frozen cat, badly CGI'd frozen cat, mm. with like badly, badly CGI'd eyes moving. <laughs> it just, it killed me. I was actually howling with laughter at that one. Just that one scene. That's the only thing that made me laugh, but that scene really made me laugh. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you. Okay, so you didn't, no. Um Well, no, I did. But I'm just thinking... So, well, we're about to get to the bit where the daughter says she's coming home, and then they kind of flip-flop on a Christmas idea. Mm. So all the neighbours forgive them at that point. And because they, Blair's coming home. Because Blair, and they all love Blair they for all, some reason. Yeah. Which, Blair is a goddess in this town. I mean, so, yeah. God knows why. Yeah. And uh, the the neighbour whose cat that was, was that Dan Aykroyd? No, the cat belongs to the old man. The, the old, old man. lady with cancer, yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there is not a chance in hell that I would ever forgive Tim Allen for that. For freezing my cat. Presumably yeah. he's deaf. <laughs> yeah, well, well, no, you see the cat later. Yeah. So the cat didn't die. The cat would have died. Mm. Like, definitely. Yeah, this the, was the, in the real world. The cat would have probably snapped in two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and there is no way you'd forgive someone for that. No, Like, no, no. you murdered my pet in a very gruesome way. Yeah. <laughs> this is Merry Christmas. Yeah. But it's okay, my wife's got cancer and you gave me a holiday. And you've killed my cat. Yeah. <laughs> my wife's dying and you killed my cat. <laughs> You're the hero of this movie. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, but yeah, so the, on Christmas Eve, just at the point when the, Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis are preparing to leave on, on their fabulous cruise, mm. they get a phone call from Blair, mm-hmm. who announces that she's coming home for Christmas, yeah. and she's, she'll be home 8pm that night, so they've got hours to spare. Yeah. And also, she's engaged! Yeah. Which doesn't pay into anything, except maybe make it more exciting that she's coming home, I guess. Like, maybe. Um, I mean, like, you'd kind of expect... The parents to be like, oh, that's a bit soon or something. But yeah. that doesn't really pay yeah, into it s- that yeah. much. Exactly. Tim Allen seems like he couldn't care less. Jamie Lee Curtis is just thrilled. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is bizarre because, yeah, she leaves on Thanksgiving, like the day after Thanksgiving. And by Christmas, she's engaged to this guy she just met. Yeah. That's, I looked it up. That's like three weeks. Yeah, sure. That marriage is not going to happen. Well, we'll know. But... <laughs> I mean, also, Never. John, this film was shit. This film was terrible. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I, there's no point trying to... Like, put any kind of reality on this film. Yeah. So she's coming home and so Jamie Lee Curtis is immediately like, right, okay, the cruise is cancelled. So I guess that's just de- dead money. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to throw our Christmas party mm-hmm. because Blair's coming home. And then the second half of the film <laughs> is just a whole scram- mad scramble to, f- to put together a full $6,000 plus, probably more, <laughs> Christmas. Probably more, actually. I'd probably say significantly more based on some of the things they do. Yeah. Christmas party so that their beloved little poppet daughter can have the Christmas she's always dreamed of mm-hmm. um, that she gets every year. And as you mentioned, the neighbours immediately forgive them as soon as they hear that Blair's coming home and they all rally around and the whole community works together mm-hmm. to throw this fabulous Christmas party. Yeah. Time is ticking, the daughter's almost home and they're still trying to get everything together. And in order to, so in order to like buy a bit of time, they ask the local police, the two local police officers mm-hmm. who've been popping up in and out of the film yeah. to go and pick up the daughter instead and like store for time. Yeah. So, And I thought this was an interesting little insight into Blair as well. So Blair and her new fiancé Enrique, mm-hmm. they arrive at the airport 
expecting their parents to be waiting, for, expecting mm-hmm. her parents to be waiting to pick them up and take them home. Instead of the parents, there are two police officers waiting for them. Mm-hmm. Now, if this was you, if you were traveling home for Christmas, flying, train, whatever it might be. Yes, I would expect my parents were dead. Exactly. Yeah. You see, instead of your, you expect your parents <laughs> to pick you up, instead it's two police officers in uniform holding up your name on a placard. Yeah. Blair immediately goes, oh, that's so sweet. They sent us a police escort home. Yeah. Yeah, I would immediately like, oh my God, who's died? Yeah. Again, the privilege. Oh, yeah, again, switch this. Yeah. Imagine the main characters are black. Oh. And, and then <laughs> this scene happens to be like, yeah. the police officers with my name in an airport. Hmm, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to put my hands up. <laughs> yeah. She's just like, oh, fantastic. How sweet. So the party's in full swing. Uh, Tim Allen's feeling really depressed, though, because he's missed out on his cruise, and he'd rather mm-hmm. be on the cruise, and mm-hmm. he's a bit grumpy. Him and Jamie Lee Curtis have a little bit of a fight. Mm-hmm. And through the window, he spots the old man and his sick wife mm-hmm. having a, a, like a quiet Christmas alone. And mm-hmm. so he has a his heart he has a Grinch moment. His heart grows four sizes. <laughs> and he goes over to their house, and he basically, basically pressures them into taking the cruise, which I don't think they really wanted. Mm, I... I got the impression that they were just being polite, just like, oh, no, no, we couldn't. They were, but, like, well, she's obviously very sick. Maybe the cruise isn't... Might do her good. Maybe. Bit, of, bit, bit of sunshine. I mean, maybe, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't think the film ever told us what kind of cancer it was, but, you know, True, could, yeah. could have been the sort of thing that a mild winter could have finished her off. I mean, f- fair, fair. Sure. Maybe, maybe a bit of sunshine would have just, yeah, been, okay. a, bit, been a bit nicer. It's, you make a good point, yeah. Well, anyway, he pressures them into taking the cruise, which they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that gives him a little bit of a redemption. Mm-hmm. He offers to take care of the cat, so they rebuild their relationship. Mm-hmm. And then he goes home. Jamie Lee Curtis and Tim Allen reconcile. They have a nice hug outside the house. Mm-hmm. And they bond over the fact that they have learned that the miracle of conformity. Yep. And they can, they're like, skipping Christmas, what a stupid idea that was. Everyone should just be commercial and capitalist all the time, and no one should ever question the status quo. Yeah. Credits roll. End of movie. What a great message. <laughs> Luther. Bev Shield just called. Maybe I was wrong about you. This night is full of surprises. Skipping Christmas. What a stupid idea. Maybe next year. Well, crikey, I guess that's that. That does conclude our Christmas season. That really is, yeah. What a way to end it, yeah. God. Okay, final drunken games of the decade. Wow, that's uh, intense. It's true. Mm-hmm. So, drink whenever anybody falls over. Yeah, I had that too. Drink for pratfalls. I also had just similarly drink for screaming. Yeah, I've also got drink for any whenever anybody drops something. Yeah. There's a lot of this kind it's of shit. It's a lot shit of physical in this film. comedy and stuff. A lot of it coming from Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Uh, okay. Drink every time a character, well, the main character does flagrantly waste money. Mm-hmm. Drink whenever Tim Allen. Gives the cat an excuse to hate him. So, yes. Steps on it. Freezes it. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's he hisses at it. Mm-hmm. He's not a cat person. And you know what? I respect that. It's, well, it's fine not to be a cat person, but like there's there's a limit. You know, animal abuse is a thing. I mean, yeah, it, it definitely <laughs> crosses the line into full-blown animal abuse in this particular movie. Mm, yeah. yeah. He knew he was stepping on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Drink for every reference to hickory honey ham. <laughs> I would love to know if that was a real brand of ham. I suspect it was, because it felt heavily <laughs> like product placement. Because mm. they kept saying it, 
every time it's not like oh my daughter must have ham she must have hickory honey honey glazed ham that must be a real ham right that must have been like a surely yeah. yeah yeah uh, drink, as I mentioned it looked disgusting so uh, drink when anything bad happens to either of them and double drink if they earned it I think that'll be a double drink every time to be honest they deserve yeah. everything that comes to them pretty much yeah mm-hmm. um, and, and also similar to one of yours earlier my last one now uh, drink whenever either of them are unreasonable tickets yes absolutely okay and my final one is drink when somebody gets Overly emotionally invested in how the cranks spend their Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Positively or negatively. Yeah. Just leave them alone. Let them do their thing. Mm. But no. You know, there's certain things around here that I'm going to miss at Christmas. So you're uh, really skipping out. You got it. Somehow it just doesn't seem right. Well, that's really not up to you to decide, is it? But I got to tell you, a lot of the neighbors are pretty upset. Really? Christmas has always been a neighborhood thing around here. You know that. Yeah. Everybody decorates. Everybody bakes cookies and swaps gifts. <laughs> I guess we do it for the kids. If you're trying to make me feel guilty, get off of it. And you know what else? I'd appreciate if you and everyone else around here would just respect my wishes. Whatever you say, Luther. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, I guess that is the drinking games. Yeah. Before we do our final sequels of the year, of the decade. God, you're really building this up. Oh, I just feel like there's a lot of pressure. This might not be my best week, you know. Yeah, okay. No, sure. carry, carry on, carry on. Okay, so uh, <laughs> if you have enjoyed this episode or any episode we've done this year mm-hmm. or previous years, any episode this decade. Yeah. Sorry, I'm still building up too much. No, no, that's fine. I mean, we only started <laughs> in 2017, so, you know, it's not It's not like we've been going since... It's not like we've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Did you just hesitate to calculate 10 years? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> 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 no, we haven't, right? That's only three. Sure. Okay, carry the two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're on Patreon. If you feel like joining our fan club, basically, yes, please if you, do. If, if you think we're worth it, well, however much you think we're worth, you can donate that much to us on Patreon.com/slash Beyond the Box Set. And if you do, you get a bunch of features. You get a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, where we review cinema releases. Mm-hmm. Um, I think after this episode, we're about to record our Jumanji uh, review. Yeah. And something else. Twenty one bridges we haven't done either, so no, if we have time we'll we've we not done that yet. No, no, we haven't had time. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and there's plenty of other things on there. Obviously we'll have Star Wars up quite soon. Yeah. Maybe even by the time and this cats, episode there is. There's so many good films oh, coming cats. out that we can't wait to talk about. So it's a good time to do it. And then Oscar season's Oscar coming. season's right around the corner. So yeah, th- this is a good time to hear our film reviews. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, it's the best best time of the year, I'd say. I would agree, yeah. It's where all the interesting films come out. Yeah. Well, most of them, yeah. Yeah. Also, if you come Patreon, you can get access to our exclusive Facebook group, which mm-hmm. is a Brilliant place on the internet, very positive, and yeah, everybody's just there having a good time, talking yeah. about movies they like, things they yeah. like, things to do with the podcast or not, you know, whatever. Yeah, just get to know us, get to know our list, or your fellow listeners, and just, yeah, yeah. build Pe- a little community around People who nice. definitely have at least one similar interest with you. Yes, and that's in just is us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, once a month we do a Patreon episode where we pick one Patreon, or I guess in this case all the Patreons, yeah. but we normally pick one Patreon and they choose the film for us. You can guest on it if you want to, you don't have to though. And also, once a month, every Patreon gets a 30 second advert slot on the main show. They can advertise whatever they want, mm-hmm. their own business, their own podcast, whatever they feel like talking about. Yeah. And finally, there is uh, one more thing that I forgot. Extended episodes? Extended episodes, yes. Uh, extended episodes of the main show, which, you know, add an extra 15, 20 minutes of content. Yeah. It varies. Longer plot summaries, more drinking games, more listener submissions, just more fabulous content for you. Yeah. yeah. And all that is available at patreon.com slash beyond the box set. Indeed. 
Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Okay, sequels. So, do you want to go first, or shall I go first? Uh, you can go first this week, I think. Okay. Um, so, mine is called... A Cranky Toys Christmas Story. A Cranky Toys Christmas Story. Am I sniffing a hint of a franchise crossover here? So this starts off as an alternate telling of the first Toy Story movie. Okay, yeah, that was right. Not going to beat around the bush. Sure, yeah, it is what it is. Great. So we start as normal with uh, Andy playing with his toys, Mm -hmm. and then all the toys gathering for their pre-Christmas AGM. Where Woody lies down a solid message, Nobody is getting replaced! Oh, okay. Christmas morning comes around, Buzz Lightyear arrives. And he throws Woody to one side and plays a buzz for ages. And when it comes to the infamous scene where Woody pushes Buzz out the window, uh, leading to himself falling out the window and the two of them bonding over an adventure, mm-hmm. in this version, Woody can't bring himself to push Buzz. And he feels shamed ha- for having a dark thought. Ah. And so this is where it's going to diverge. Okay, is this like an alternate reality? <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like one of those things where they say every Sam and makes a decision, there's two different realities are formed based on the... Yeah. Yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, so this is this is how that would go. This leads Woody into a big depression, uh, which is only made worse by Andy's favouritism towards Buzz, mm-hmm. which you know continues to happen as they're having a kind of a rivalry and he doesn't like Woody anymore. Cause, you know, Andy never lost Woody in no. this. So oh, I see. So he never learnt to appreciate him. Yeah. Ah, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Woody was always there. He was always just second best. Taken for granted. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Woody then spends the next few years becoming more and more bitter and getting played with less and less. And also his bitterness that made him quite unpopular with the other toys. So he's completely lost his you know, top dog position, favourite mm-hmm. toy, sheriff of, the, of all the toys. And so eventually Woody decides to get out and jumps into, into a charity box. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. So he leaves all the toys behind and goes on a mission to find a new owner, somebody mm-hmm. who appreciates him. After spending some time in a charity shop, he eventually gets found by Dan Aykroyd. Oh, okay. And taken home as a present for one of the boys. Okay. Dan Aykroyd in Christmas with the Cranks had like seven, eight children? Was it? Oh, I had no idea. I assumed three. Okay. No, there's just one, there's one scene. They might not, not all be his, to be fair, so I wouldn't let this affect your sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's one scene where, it, like, when the, the word gets around that the Cranks are celebrating Christmas after all, he's like, come yeah. on, kids! And honestly, like, an army of children jumps up <laughs> and runs to the door. It's like, what is this? <laughs> sure, okay. Well, but I wouldn't let that impact your sequel. Carry on, telling your tale. I mean, it's not majorly important. I've said that he's got three boys. Fair enough, let's go with that. They um, could have just been hanging around. Yeah, could be neighbourhood kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Christmas morning comes, and Woody gets opened by one of the three boys. The other two, uh, they've got a bullseye and a stinky Pete. Oh, great. So it's now, we're now in Toy Story 2. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, bullseye was the horse, right? Yep. And stinky Pete was the evil gold miner played by Kelsey Grammer? Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so as the following year goes on, uh, the boys, they, they didn't quite get what Woody's character was supposed to be. Okay. They, yeah, they see that he's a sheriff, 
Um, and so, so instead of making him the good sheriff who rides the horse and catches the criminal Stinky Pete, the boys, they take Stinky Pete's side. Ah, okay. And they make Stinky Pete the humble miner who gets trodden down by the law as enforced by Sheriff Woody. So Woody's the villain? Yeah. Ah, I like this. In the way that they play it. Okay. Woody's not happy about this. I can he's, well imagine. Yeah, like, he's, it's, made, it's made him real mad. Mm-hmm. And so he stops hanging out with those toys in his downtime. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in, instead, um, he hangs out with the evil pet cat. The, the house cat, the actual, an actual yeah. cat. Okay. He, he befriends the cat. Oh, of course. Is, the, is the, this the white cat? The yeah. Okay. Because that didn't belong to Dan Aykroyd, though. That belonged to the old man. Sure. Next door's pet cat. Next door's pet cat. Okay. So yeah. he befriends the, the what, white what, cat. Whatever. It works. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. I mean, that pet cat looked like it was wandered around the, a yeah. lot of the neighborhood. The old cats did the horse. Yeah. yeah. So. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's Gosh. not a dog person. Dogs, loyal. <clears throat> cats, horse. Mm, dogs, needy. Cats, just like somebody you hang out with. Yeah, tomato, tomato. Yeah. <laughs> so he prints the cat. Um, I, in, in this, I've said the cat is named Lucifer. Yeah, what, what's that from? I don't know, but I mean... The... Oh, it's from Cinderella. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, the, I... cat, the cat in Cinderella. It's fine. Sure. Like, the no, cat in Cinderella yeah, is no, called yeah. Lucifer. Um, oh, no, no, just one of my neighbour's cats are called Lucifer. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah. It's a good name for cats. It, it is a good name for a cat. This cat is lovely, though. My, my neighbour's cat. Okay. It, it's, a, it's a three-legged cat, so it's very... Hmm. I don't know why that actually... <laughs> Means makes anything. It, makes it more endearing. Me, mean, means anything, but it's very friendly. It's very oh, social. Okay. Well, you know, the even, devil is... Even when you've got a dog with you who yeah. hates cats. So, I mean, the devil is charming. That's <clears> how, <throat> how the devil works, you know. Oh, yeah, sure. Lulls you into a sense of security. Drags you down to hell. And then what? What's the cat going to do? I don't know. You'll find out. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm so scared. So anyway, Woody picks up that Lucifer, despite trying to be very polite to all the neighbours, including the one across the road keeps getting trodden on uh, by that neighbour across the road. Just like the boys pretend Woody does to Stinky Pete. Okay. So, Woody investigates. And when he hears this man speak, something about the sound in his voice brings back some feelings of disdain to Woody, but he can't quite place what. Ooh, interesting. Okay. I mean, I, I didn't need it to be a, a double Tim Allen thing, but just, I was talking to a Toy Story thing, and they're like, Hey, it works. I, I can write this in. This yeah. works. So, is there actually any connection here, or is it just a coincidence? Yeah, it's just a coincidence. Okay. So, Woody hatches a plan, which will get rid of that man, and also be a massive blow to Woody's greatest enemy, Christmas. Excellent. Oh, of course, because Christmas brought Buzz and set off this whole chain of events. Mm-hmm. Like it. Christmas also brought Woody to this neighbourhood where he's very much not appreciated. Oh, that's true. Where yeah. he has become the villain. Mm, okay. So he's just become an anti-Christmas zealot at this point. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Okay. So, he recruits one of the boys' other toys, uh, which I've not mentioned yet for um, very obvious reasons. Um, it's a Funko Pop. Okay. Um, <laughs> Great. Uh, by the name of Cobb. Cobb. Cobb, as in the character from the film Inception. Remind me what that is again. Is that Leonardo DiCaprio goes into dreams? Funko Pop, a Funko Pop of Leonardo DiCaprio. Is that a thing? Yeah. I mean, there's a Funko Pop of everything. Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah, is that yeah. specifically Funko Pop one that you can buy? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Wow, what's the market for that? I don't know, but some of the Funko Pops are so random. That is true. I'm surprised. I mean, if they ever do make a Toy Story 5, I'm sure they'll incorporate Funko Pops because. I'm surprised they haven't already. They are such I, a strange I, little cultural I think thing. It, I think if they did, it would be a bit too product placement-y. That is true, yeah. Because mm-hmm. Toy Story's not really done product placement other than like, hey, it's Barbie, but Barbie's a classic. True, yeah. Whereas Funko Pops is very much a present thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know, I, I, I wouldn't like it in, in a Toy Story. No, I'm not saying I would like it, I'm just saying I can see it. Mm. But, okay. If they did do Funko Pop in Toy Story, like I've done here, mm-hmm. you'd have to get that actor to be the voice. Yeah, that could be fun. Yeah. Mm. 
But then by doing that, it would just get a bit meta, and Toy Story's not. Yeah, maybe that. it's more of a Shrek thing, more of a yeah, DreamWorks works thing. Yeah, you know. yeah. So uh, we're going to do an Inception thing, basically now. Oh gosh, so... this is going all over the place. <laughs> so one day in late November, uh, Lucifer takes Woody and Cobb across the road to Tim Allen's house. So this Funko Pop of Cobb, the Leonardo DiCaprio character mm. from Inception, has the full personality of. And does he think he's in Inception, or does he know he's a toy? Like, oh, he knows he's a toy, but he still has the same powers of Inception that he, he, his yeah. character has. Yeah, he still has that, and you know. Maybe as part of the Funko Pop, he has the kit and he has the dream machine or whatever. Okay. Yeah, they go across the road to Malin's house and uh, they wait until he's asleep. Then they plug the diodes onto the side of his head and they enter his dreams. Into Tim Allen's dreams? Mm-hmm. Okay. Tim Allen's dreams. Uh, now, the first layer they find themselves in is actually his top-level consciousness <laughs> where they meet his five emotions. Oh, gosh, now it's inside out. <laughs> God, this is really bringing everything together. <laughs> Joy, sadness, anger, fear and disgust. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing anger and disgust are kind of dominant in this particular human being. Right? I actually, I've got it as uh, joy and disgust because oh, okay. um, this film that I'm doing now is pretty much a prequel. And it's a Christmas with the Cranks. Yes, yeah. and I noticed that Tim Allen. I was just thinking about the five emotions that he's that are most well, the emotions that are most prominent of these five. Anger is definitely one of them. Yeah. I think the other one is actually joy. I'm just thinking of him prancing down his office. That is true, yeah. Like hand, hand, handing out his, I'm not doing Christmas, hey! Yeah, when he tells Jamie Lee Curtis about going on the cruise, he puts on his like beach shirt and stuff. He seems pretty happy. Okay. He, he is surprisingly happy in this movie. I'll take that, yeah. I think the happiness is just crushed out of him, like by Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I like this idea. Of, so Woody is working together with Joyce. It's like a Pixar crossover, mm-hmm. basically to make Tim Allen realise. And maybe, okay, maybe there's a role in this for sadness when his, um, when his daughter leaves. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they have to do a, do a bit of work with sadness as well, just to help out. Ah, uh, yeah. Maybe once yeah. again she can be the reason. Like maybe they try a bunch of things to make Tim Allen not want to do Christmas, and it's not mm. really working out. And then actually, what they figure out what they can do is if they can like latch onto sadness mm. and take take that sadness about it, the fact he's going to miss his daughter for Christmas and turn it into a desire to not have Christmas. Oh, you could also go into Jamie Lee Curtis's head, and mm-hmm. obviously her five emotions are going to be a lot more all over the place. Like she's uh, yeah. fully owned by fear. Yeah, fear is one hundred percent in control, and sadness is much more powerful in that one as well because she yeah. misses her daughter more. Um, yeah, I think it'd be fun to go into her head and try and figure out what the hell is going on there. Yeah, that lady has some <laughs> problems. Yep, and maybe just follow them through the whole movie then, as as their plan kind of unravels. You know, as as the town kind of mm-hmm. turns on the on, on Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis. And or how they react, how the, the emotions react to that. Mm. So maybe you do the whole movie from the perspective of the emotions. Yeah. And maybe at the end of it, Woody learns a valuable lesson because obviously they do end up staying for Christmas. It, yeah, it, ne- it needs to be. So I guess that they stay for Christmas. Yeah. Um, they have a great time. And then Woody's Christmas is a very good time. And then maybe it's just that the boys get some Christmas presents that, like, it's Jesse. Mm. And you know, no, 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 you and, know, and, and, and now he's got a partner in crime mm. or something. No, you know what it is? Mm. Uh, I think I've got it. So. Yes, they, they, they... So, the, so the, essentially, the Inception plan fails. Yeah, sure. Because we know how Christmas with the Cranks works out. They yeah. celebrate Christmas anyway. Well, it initially succeeds, but then it fails because the town turns the world. Yeah. And the film will, will just follow, like, as you mentioned, Woody and the Inside Out crew trying to keep it all together and mm-hmm. keep the plan on track, making them all double down, but it just, they can't help it. And so at the end of the film, obviously, once Tim Allen and, and Jamie Lee Curtis have decided to stay, everyone else has made peace of it. Joy's made peace of it. She just wants, you know, her person to be happy. Woody's still in a massive sulk as Tim Allen is because he his, his plan has failed and now he's, he's failed to cancel Christmas. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what to do. Then he sees the old couple with the the, the cat Lucifer's owner. Mm-hmm. Maybe he has a, a chat with Lucifer who like lets him see like how bad the situation is for those two mm-hmm. or something. 
So maybe he's he does that. His heart grows two sizes. You know, he sees the family and he's like, he's, he's like, you know what? I'm going to stop trying to make this guy cancel Christmas. Mm. I just need to accept it. Be the toy that I am. I make those kids happy. Even even if I'm the villain, I'm still making those kids happy. Yeah. I'm going to go back and I'm just going to be the best damn villainous cowboy that can be. <laughs> he goes back to the house. It's Christmas Eve. He's made peace of it. Mm-hmm. Cut to Christmas Day. The kids are unwrapping all the presents. And what does the main boy, the main boy who owns him, what's the first present he unwraps? A Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> so it's full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so what, is Woody then going to move on somewhere else? And Maybe the this, last scene is just Woody going, oh, shh, and then yeah. the credits are off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, very good. What was the title of that again? It was A Cranky Toys Christmas Story. Nice. Oh, wow, that's it. and now you understand how you've built all those in. Mm. Nice. Very good. Great. That's me done for the decade. Right, there you go. Okay, so my sequel is also not quite a sequel. It's also kind of a sidequel, but I've gone in a different direction Mm -hmm. than you did. Mine is called Ripping Off the Cranks. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of based on a lot of the things we already discussed in this episode about the ridiculous amount of money that they're spending, how crazy invested the whole town feels in how this particular family spend their Christmas. Mm -hmm. So we're going to retell the story but from the perspective of the other people in the community, like the other people who live on the same streets. Yeah. Mostly Dan Ackroyd, because he seems to be like the community leader in some way or another. Mm-hmm. So we open around the same time, like a few weeks before Christmas, whatever. And in this t- it's 2004, in this town, times are pretty hard. It's like the recession's already hit. Mm-hmm. Local businesses have been absolutely devastated. You know, everyone's struggling for cash. Yeah. Apart from the cranks, who just seem to be rolling in money. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he's just got an amazing job. I don't know. She doesn't seem <laughs> like she has one. We never see her work. Mm, She's always at home. Uh, So he must be making a lot of money. So basically, because this is the one rich family, all of these other local businesses, you know, the card salesman, the butcher, the baker, Mm -hmm. the liquor store. Tree salesman. Tree salesman. Basically, as bad of a year as they're having, the whole economy of this community depends (laughs) on this family and their ridiculous Christmas overspending. Yeah. They sink six grand into the local economy every year. Mm -hmm. More than six grand. So yeah, they're all like, okay, it's been a really rough year, we all struggle, but it's okay. The cranks will inadvertently save the day when they spend way too much on this shoddy, tacky, tacky Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then when word gets around that the cranks are actually skipping Christmas this year, mm. it sends the neighbourhood into complete panic. Yeah. And that explains why everybody has such a negative reaction to it in the film. Mm-hmm. Like, remember the scene where Nora, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, tells the guy who sells Christmas cards that she's not buying any Christmas cards this year? Mm-hmm. And he literally follows her into a dinner that she's having with her <laughs> friends and, like, berates her? Mm-hmm. It's like, these people are taking this very seriously. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's his whole livelihood. So that's why he's overreacting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, community leader Dan Aykroyd, as the he- he's, like, maybe he's just the head of the local, I don't know, council or whatever... They, he go, he goes into overdrive to try and change the family's minds. So it, in order to do that, he organises pressure groups. You know, that's why everyone's picketing the, you know, the free... Fr- he organises the free frosty picket lines, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Uh, he psychologically tortures them. He sends carol singers to, like, stalk the home. Mm-hmm. He rigs up the, the frosty doll to make the eyes glow red, to make it seem like <laughs> it's possessed of a demon. <laughs> that happened. Yeah. Wasn't addressed. Uh, but nothing works. Absolutely nothing works. The cranks are determined. They are, they are skipping Christmas this year. So, in desperation, Dan Aykroyd's character, he realises the only solution, the only way to get the cranks to stay for Christmas, is to track down Blair in Peru and Mm. bring her home. Mm -hmm. So he does some detective work to try and figure out exactly where she is. And after, maybe he hires a private detective, that could be a whole plot line. Maybe the two local police officers do it. Yeah. We'll find a funny way. Yeah. Anyway, it takes a long time to find her. There's a lot of dead ends. And eventually, it turns out, she never went to Peru. She was running her own elaborate scheme. Okay. So she's also been ripping her parents off (laughs) because they're very naive and obviously do not know the value of money. Mm -hmm. 
So she's pretended that she's joined the Peace Corps and gone to Peru. I mean, actually, quick thing. Isn't Tamal an accountant? Yeah, but obviously not a very good... Well, he seems to be in some kind of accounting business. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. But obviously not a very good one. No. We're certainly not one who has any sense of fiscal responsibility. No, but one who does clearly get paid loads. Yeah. So, But he's obviously not keeping track of his own finances, particularly. No. So she's pretended she's joining the Peace Corps and going to Peru for a year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know daddy's paying for that. Mm-hmm. So she's just pocketing the money, basically. Yeah. So that scene where they drop her off at the airport, she's like, I'll miss you forever. Good to see you in a year. Bye. Mm. Walks into the, you know, because you mm-hmm. never see her get on the plane. No. She just walks into the lounge. And then as soon as they've gone, she's like, shring, runs, you know, leaves. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just money in pocket, gone. Mm-hmm. So what she's actually done is gone on a massive year-long road trip around the USA, which is basically been on a, like, she's having like a year-long bender. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking the main plot of this side movie that I've created is going to be Dan Aykroyd tracking down Blair mm-hmm. and tra- chasing her through all these different towns and places she's been to and realising that she has just been partying like it's 1999. <laughs> like she's spending all the money. She's been into loads of crazy shit. This could be its own movie. Yeah, yeah. So she's been arrested. She's racked up extensive gambling debts. Mm-hmm. She's worked as a stripper. She's become a drug addict. She's mm-hmm. just had... And it's only been like four weeks. Like she's blown. She's yeah. blown through like a year's worth of money in, in four weeks. When, mm-hmm. when by the time Darkwood finds her, she's working behind the, behind a bar. She's got loads of debts. She's in loads of trouble. <laughs> she's well fucked up basically. Mm-hmm. She's a complete mess of a human being at this point, and she, she's completely out of money now. She's she's broke. Yeah. So she she can't go home. She doesn't know what to do. So she's like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way I can go home now and tell my family the truth because. I'm so ashamed and they would kill me and they'll never trust me again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So Dan Aykroyd thinks about this for a little while and he strikes a deal with her. Mm-hmm. The situation is she needs money. They need money. They need her parents to spend money. Mm-hmm. So between them, they hire a Peruvian busboy who works in the bar that she's currently working at. Like a busboy is like a waiter kind of thing. Yeah. American term. And they get him for a small fee to agree to pose as her fiance. Ah, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's then going to pretend that she's got engaged. Oh, I can see how those all comes together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm quite proud of how I've, like, pulled all this together, actually. So she's going to pretend to be engaged, which is going to obviously prompt her family to want to throw the most extravagant Christmas party ever to celebrate this, mm-hmm. you know, moment in the family. Uh, and the townsfolk will obviously volunteer to help out for a small fee. You know? Yeah, yeah. Also, it's going to turn out that Dan Aykroyd secretly owns extensive shares in Hickory Ham. <laughs> so that's why she's like, well, you've got to have Hickory Ham. Like, yeah. That, that's his livelihood right there. <laughs> Sure, yeah. okay. So they're, they're going to go home, have the Christmas party. That's going to save the community. And then after the Christmas celebrations are done, Dan Aykroyd and his cronies, the rest of the townspeople, are going to help Blair Crank and the rest of the Cranks, but the rest of the Cranks aren't in on it, to plan an elaborate fake wedding. Sure. So this is for Blair and her Peruvian boyfriend, obviously, mm. or fiancé. It's going to be a big, expensive wedding, all paid for by Tim Allen as the father of the bride, as is the tradition. Yeah. But secretly, they're going to cut loads of corners everywhere and massively overcharge him. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to cost near as much as he, they're going to pretend it costs and what he's actually going to pay for. Mm-hmm. The profit from all of that is going to be given to Blair as down payments for or her co- cooperation. And there'll be a small fee for the Peruvian fake fiancé as well. <laughs> so once it's all over, she's going to be free to continue her year-long bender. Uh, and at some point, she can claim it didn't work out with um, Enrique, the Peruvian fiancé. And uh, she's going to ask mum and dad for more money to help pay for a divorce, which doesn't actually have to happen because they're not really legally married. Because <laughs> even the chaplain, even the priest or the officiator is going to be fake. Yeah. Maybe it's not accurate. Right. He's going to claim yeah. Okay, yeah. He, he can claim he's an ordained minister, even though he's not. So it's all, <laughs> there's n- not, no legality whatsoever. And then I, I was thinking like the sequel could then go into, you could follow this wedding and maybe at some point Tim Allen realises he's being ripped off. Mm-hmm. And then him and Jamie Lee Curtis have to kind of 
figure it out and try and find ways to turn it back to their advantage. So, I'd like it that he that, that Tim Allen figures out he's being ripped off, but Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't go with that. Yeah, and she's like, no, no, Blair would. My never precious Blair would never. Yeah. 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 And then there's a whole thing of like he he's trying to gain evidence. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like his word against his daughter's, and Jamie Lee Curtis is just trapped in the middle. Yeah, yeah, that could be good. Mm. Yeah, no, I'd like to watch that. Yeah, I'm thinking it's just, it could just be like a really good farce. Yeah, just like a similar kind of just, well, better I would hope. But, you know, similar <laughs> kind of lots of silly comedy. Like imagine like the planning of this elaborate wedding that Dan Aykroyd's taking control of. Like mm-hmm. it would have all the same kind of you know there'd be a version of Frosty. You know, there'd mm-hmm. be all the similar kind of over ridiculously overpriced stuff but it would also secretly be super cheap so it could be really dangerous and shoddy like the food's going to be shit the decorations are going to be shit mm-hmm. you know, it's all going to be handcrafted yeah yeah so yeah no so I that's like ripping it. off the cranks ripping off the cranks yeah it's a good title yeah, right, yeah I'm pretty proud of that one yeah, yeah well, well done thank you yeah very good okay right let's do listen submissions let's so Bianca Keating says Christmas with the cranks Frosty's revenge ooh I like it the Frosty decoration definitely did seem like it was possessed of a demon yeah yeah it, it pushed him off the roof yeah there's a whole scene with tim allen because they they do look really dangerous i think this is an american thing i don't really mm. think you see this much in the uk where they do you do see a lot in all these films they it's not enough to have like decorations like in the living room or on the on the patio or, you know mm-hmm. on, in front of the house or in the windows they literally put these statues up on the roof mm. right when do you ever climb up onto your roof never wouldn't dream of it no yeah uh, yeah there's a scene where tim allen is strapping up this like six seven foot Mm-hmm. snowman alone with no help and no mm-hmm. support onto the chimney and then there's a moment where its eyes kind of glow e- eerily red and it mm-hmm. falls over and he nearly dies everyone's watching everyone's watching nobody helps nobody helps him at all yeah. he literally nearly dies yeah and he would have I mean he would have broken his spine he, he, like, he, he would have seriously injured his leg in what actually happened yeah because yeah his leg or his back or something because he falls off and like there's a bit of rope wrapped around his ankle because mm. of course yeah. and it like jerks and he like just misses hitting the ground by an inch but that the impact of that would snap his leg right out of his socket if nothing else yeah, yeah. yeah. horrible different movie anyway yeah. next up Kristen Gibson says that a podcast called Two in a Think Tank came up with a great spin-off mm-hmm. they said Christmas with the Crank where Jason Statham must maintain the same level of Christmas cheer or else die. Yeah, I had a few suggestions for a Crank crossover. I've never seen Crank. No, me neither. I think that's another one for if we ever do two movies. I'm pretty sure Crank has a sequel. Okay, cool. But maybe only the one, because I've heard it's ridiculous. Yeah. So maybe. I've seen this sounds a little similar to Speed. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It's like Speed, would, but it's his heart, isn't it? Like his would, heart rate has to... Oh, is it? Okay. Oh, that's sure. the plot. Do you not know Crank? No, I don't. Oh, the plot of Crank is ridiculous. I've not seen it, but the premise is Jason Statham is... Oh, Jason's... can't raise his heart rate or something. Yeah, yeah, he has to keep it that high. He has to keep his heart... If his heart rate falls below, I think, mm. a certain speed, mm. it's literally a bomb that would explode in his chest and kill him or something equally. So it's, li- it's literally speed. It's literally speed, but yeah. But instead of a bomb in a bus, it's in his chest. Yeah, so just keep running around and staying really high-energized all the time. It's insane. Yeah. I'd like to see Nicolas Cage do that. Definitely better yeah. casting. <laughs> anyway, speed would be a good one for the... Uh... Well, Speed would absolutely be a good one, yeah. Yeah. Chase Conroy says, Another cranky Christmas. Luther and Nora decided to get revenge for last Christmas by leaving their Christmas decorations up all year round. Those monsters. They both tell people, Merry Christmas, despite the fact it's only July. Their estranged son, Keanu Reeves, for whatever reason, decides to come home for Thanksgiving on very short notice. I mean, it may as well be their daughter, I think. And wanting to repair their broken relationship with their son. Okay, sorry. Um, they have to frantically tear down everything and set up a Thanksgiving instead, all while facing harassment from the neighbours. Like so completely it. reverse it. Okay. Christmas all year round, apart from when their kids come home and like, oh my god, Thanksgiving at short notice. How do we do that? Yeah, I can mind to that. Yeah. yeah, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's it. Okay, I have a few as well. 
Dennis Fanning just said Cranksgiving. So great, okay, yeah, cool. Similar to the one you you had about it's just the same thing, but for Thanksgiving. Brandon Christensen said Christmas with the Cranks and the Clumps. <laughs> sure. Have you heard of the? Um, what's the Eddie Murphy franchise where he plays like eight fat people in one film? Uh, is it? Dot, it's not Doctor Doolittle. It's Big oh, Mama's House. No, and similar, but no. Oh God, what's it called? Is it? Or oh, is it Flubber? No. Do you know which one I mean? Yeah, I think I know what you mean. It's not Flubber. That's a Robin no, Williams thing. No, it's because it's it's Eddie Murphy in like a giant fat suit mm. playing like seven or eight family members, and mm. then the main character is it just called the oh the Nutty Professor? Is it? Yeah, it was the Nutty Professor. Sure. Yeah. So it's 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 Christmas of the Cranks meets the Nutty Professor two, I guess. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that's a real comedy classic right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Hallman said Crank versus Crankies. This time it's personal. <laughs> so that's the Cranks versus the Scottish entertainers, the Crankies, mm-hmm. little Jimmy Cranky. I think that's a pretty British reference, but... I think so, yeah. Go- Google it. Google the crankies. <laughs> it's disturbing. It's a 70-year-old woman pretending to be like a 10-year-old boy. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter, at Spit Polish Pre, the Spit and Polish podcast said, you clearly don't see this movie for the un- unappreciated masterpiece that it is. And to that I say, <laughs> you are right. We do not. <laughs> yep, that's... Yeah. That is entirely accurate and fair. <laughs> So thank you everybody for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week a few days before we record by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others. All of which you can also leave as a five-star review, which really helps us out to broaden our horizons and add new listeners. As mentioned before, we're also available on Patreon, which is exclusively for the kind of people who would rate us five stars or more if they could. You can find all those links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. Mm-hmm. And next year, mm-hmm. Harry. Yeah. So I don't think, I've not looked at the dates, but I think we're keeping up our weekly schedule. We're, not, we're definitely keeping up our weekly, weekly schedule, but I think the dates for, so this is going to be our last one of 2019. Mm-hmm. We're going to do our end of year review, which we always do, where we'll talk about some of the cinema releases we saw this year, mm-hmm. pick our favourites. That'll be a good time. Yeah. But then when we finally get back onto our regularly scheduled programming, we're going to be continuing our, our a little tradition we've built up in the past few years, which is the first new movie of every year is going to be about a Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. So last year we did Wall-E. The year before that we did Inside Out. All the way around, but yes. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. Last year we did Inside Out. The year before that we did Wall-E. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm not going to beat it around the bush. I've gone for a very predictable one because I know there's not that many that already have sequels. So yes, for our first episode of January 2020, we're going to discuss Up. Oh, I knew you'd pick Up. What, what would you prefer, Ratatouille? No, no, no. I'm sure Up would be great. I've not seen it for quite a while. Good, well, you'll, I hope you enjoy rewatching it. Yeah. I just thought, like, between that and... I mean, Ratatouille is a bit more kiddie. Mm-hmm. Not that's a bad thing. Coco, you could do Coco, but... Oh, you definitely could, but I've seen Coco too many times too recently. That's what I mean. I feel like Up's more, like, prime for revisiting, so... Mm. Yeah. Unless you do have to do Brave. I can re-record if you've already Brave. No, no, no. Okay. Up's great. Great, cool. Okay, you just seemed a little bit like... Yeah. I just wasn't sure what to expect. Okay, fine. Yay! There we go. That's the spirit. So yes, up. Yes, up. So please join us next week, next year. Please join us in 2020. Next next week will be our 2019 wrap-up. We're going to be reviewing and maybe pitching a little little sequel to every single film that we've seen in the cinema this year. We normally do this as a two-parter episode because it's a bit lengthy. And then two weeks from now, from the day you're listening to this, two weeks from now, we'll be releasing our up episode. Yes. So join us next week for our annual roundup and join us the week after that in 2020 for up. Mm-hmm. Pixar's up. Hmm. Great. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the other side. Yeah. Happy see. New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Good world to all men. Christmas is over by this point. Oh, well. Happy New Year. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Hicks. Never say hickory honey ham again. Ooh.